0: Hello friends, and welcome to Soap Poetry Reviews, the Soap Poetry Sidecast. I apologize for being away from the podcast in general for as long as I have. Um, I had every intention of doing a bunch more episodes after my conversation with Jess Hilton. Uh, but if you have been uh, following me on the Akinogra Press side of things, um, you'll know that I <laughs> had like three other books that were in more or less a rush to be released and that wound up occupying pretty much um, all of my September, October and November. Um, But uh, all of the books are released now um, and I'm sort of in the beginning stages of doing stuff for 2021 so I have a little bit of time on my hands. Uh, And I thought that it would be a good time to record an episode that I've been wanting to do since uh, maybe the summer, maybe the beginning of the fall. Um, I spent about a week and a half, maybe, reading through the entirety, um, or at least as much as I could find, of the uh, Hellboy series of comics. And that's what I would like to review. Um, I'm probably going to spend the majority of time talking about the main Hellboy uh, series. Uh, There'll be some things that I want to kind of compare and contrast with um, the BPRD series, Abe Sapien's solo series. Um, And I think... I think that's it. I mean, there's like Sledgehammer 44 and uh lobster Johnson but like, those don't really have a whole lot of bearing on for the most part those don't really have a whole lot of bearing on the main story so I'm not really gonna spend a whole lot of time with them uh, there is another solo series of uh, coche the deathless um, that I might talk about a little bit too um, but before getting into uh, the review I would like to say that there will be probably be a ton of spoilers. Um, it's kind of difficult to talk about Hellboy and review Hellboy in its entirety without talking about things that happen, you know, like throughout <laughs> throughout the series. Um, so, if that is something that you would like to avoid, uh, I would recommend maybe not listening to this episode right now, um, and, you know, find the comics either you know through a retailer like a bookstore uh, maybe check them out from the library um if none of those things are feasible for you right now you can find them online i read a, read all of them online because i don't currently have the uh i don't really have the disposal income right now um or i didn't when i was reading through the comics uh, to to get the like full omnibus uh, collection, although I have every intention of doing that at some point in the future, um, because I would really like to have um, I would really like to have this collection um, as as part of my book collection. Um, Oh, and um, there will probably be some spoilers for Sandman as well, because I, I see Sandman and Hellboy as sort of maybe not like two sides of the same coin, but there are a lot of interesting correlations that I think uh, they share. Um, I'm also going to say that uh, I'm recording this at <laughs> 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, because I was trying to sleep and couldn't because I was thinking about the fact that I had already recorded an episode on Hellboy uh, Monday night. I'm recording this uh, Wednesday morning at 1 o'clock. Um, and, yeah, so I was thinking about that episode and thinking about um, if I did the this topic justice or not, um, and sort sort of... Sort of hijacked my brain, um, and uh, yeah, prevented me from going to sleep. Um, so if my energy is a little bit lower and my voice is a little bit more subdued, uh, I'm going to try to k- kind of keep things <laughs> within a certain range um, so that I don't uh, disturb either of my neighbors. I don't know if they can hear me or not, but I'm going to try to not get too uh, too worked up about things. Um, I'm also... I think I'm in that weird state of like, my body's tired, but my mind's kind of racing. Um, So I have a weird mixture of a lot of internal, but not a ton of external energy, or a lot of some form of internal energy, and and not whatever. Um, But yeah, I'm going to get into it. Um, So one of the things that I realized... Uh, that I didn't do when I ver- did the first version of this episode, was like kind of explain what the hell Hellboy is about. Uh, so if you've never encountered the series before, um, and this is where the spoilers are going to start, uh, Hellboy is a human-demon hybrid. Uh, he is the, the son of a demon uh, whose name I neglected to look up again. Um, and a woman, I think she was a witch, and I believe that her name was Sarah... Um, let's see. I actually have the Hellboy thing up. Um, so yeah, so he's the son of the demon uh, Azzeel, as, as A-Z-Z-A-E-L, uh, and the witch Sarah Hughes. Um, he was born in hell, but had his, I guess, like, second birth on Earth. Um, He was summoned by Rasputin uh, to be the harbinger of of the apocalypse uh, because Hellboy uh, has or wields as his right hand um, this, what is essentially a key to unlock the, uh, oh boy, um, Ogdru Jihad, which is this, like, ancient... Eldritch Cosmic Seven and One Dragon. Um it is it's in in series or in the in the Mignola verse, um, it's the like the beast of the apocalypse. Or no, it's the 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 dragon of the of the apocalypse that's talked about in Revelation. Um and uh yeah, so so that's a sort of that's the beginning of Hellboy. Um it, the comic um like I think the series starts with Hellboy being like summoned to Earth by Rasputin um, because Rasputin has somehow found a way to um, like commune with this dragon that's encased in these like crystal chrysalises things and exists beyond the realm of time and space. Um. Yeah. So. Hellboy, um, is summoned, um, but he is found by Professor Trevor Broom, um, and instead of being killed, Trevor sees in Hellboy, just, like, a kid, and decides to adopt him and raise him. Um, and Hellboy ages super, super quickly, so I think that this happens in the, like, early to mid 40s and by the like 50s or 60s he's already like or maybe by like the, by the 50s he's already developed into like a young adult um and professor broom uh founds an organization called the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense um which is most often referred to as the BPRD um hellboy becomes A a member and an agent of the BPRD, and goes on a lot of different missions and adventures. um, Encounters a lots of different people that have some degree of like supernatural ability. Uh, There's Abe Sapien, who is like an amphibian man. Uh, Liz Sherman, who is a a pyrotechnic. No, not pyrotechnic. Um, Pyromancer. Pyrokinesis. She she has pyrokinesis. You can control fire, um, and create fire too. Um there is Johann Strauss who is the like disembodied ectoplasm of a spirit medium that exists within a special um suit. Uh although I don't know if Hellboy ever actually meets Johan. That might happen after he leaves the BPRD, which I will get to. Um But yeah, so for years he works for the BPRD um, dealing with all manner of supernatural threats. Um, You know, there are uh, vampires, werewolves, demons. Um, He deals with giants at one point. Uh, You know, folklore, monster-type supernatural, spookums-type things. Um, But there's a sort of through line throughout at least Hellboy's main series in which... Um, there are a ton of characters, and entities that uh, essentially try to get Hellboy to be the harbinger of the apocalypse. There are tons of characters that tell Hellboy that that is his destiny, that is his purpose, that's the only reason he's a, he's alive, he's a, he exists, whatever, and that you know, like they try to tempt him or goad him or strong on him or threaten him or force him to be this thing. And at pretty much every turn, Hellboy's like, nah, hard pass. Um he has a pretty consistently or consistent iron will of rejection for all of that. Um he is at the bottom line like a really solid person. Um, he is, he cares deeply for his friends. He cares deeply for doing things that, you know, like that, uh, that fall on the alignment of like good and right. Um, he's willing to kind of throw himself headlong into, um, you know, fights and willing to put himself and his life on the line to protect and help people. Um so by all accounts like a pretty textbook definition of a traditional hero. Um and which is an interesting I feel like an interesting contrast with at least the first movie uh, adaptation of Hellboy that was um directed by Del, Tor- Del Toro um, in which I want to—I don't know this for sure because it's been years since I've since I've seen the movie—but I feel like there's a, one point towards like the climax of the film. So spoilers for the film, um, that Rasputin is sort of somehow like taken over Hellboy and is you know like using him and his demonic powers to like open the gate and he's controlling him in some way, and it feels like there's this like ultimate or there's this temptation of will Hellboy give in to his. His dark destiny, quote unquote, whatever, or reject it, and in the movie he ultimately rejects it. Um, but in the comics, despite the fact that there are tons of characters that try to get him to do this thing or to be this thing, it never really feels like there is any sort of temptation on the part of Hellboy to give in to to those, you know, to those pleas or to to the the, the goading or the forcing or whatever. Uh, at pretty much every turn, it is a flat out rejection on Hellboy's part um, which something that i I think it it I think leads or it ties into a a characteristic that feels um, kind of at the heart of the series that hellboy's nature and his personality and his characteristics feel pretty static throughout the series there's not a whole lot of what i would consider character development um for hellboy the series starts off i mean you get some flashbacks and you get some moments in in the sort of one-off stories uh that are collected in in some of the volumes of hellboy back when he's like a fresh agent or when he's a, a kid um and you can see some development of his like naivete or his just inexperience um is um, you know is changed and is lessened over over the years because he gains experience. He you know it, there's a big difference between Hellboy on his first mission and Hellboy you know halfway through the series because he's been doing it for decades. Um, but in that in that sense, um, I don't. Um, I don't think that that is a, a negative or a detraction from the series. It's it's really interesting to come into a series and to have a character that is already sort of fundamentally and essentially formed. Um, I was thinking, the first time I, I did this episode, I was thinking of other characters that I could sort of correlate that to, and one that came to mind is um, Geralt from the Witcher series. I haven't read any of the... Um, the literature of the series, but I, I watched the Netflix um, series when it, it came out. Excuse me. And it felt like the first time that you see Geralt and the last time that you see Geralt, um, disregarding all of the weird time shifty stuff that happens in that series, um, he is a, a f- essentially the same person. Like, there are tragedies and tragedies and heartbreaks and you know, things that he learns or maybe insights that he gains about things. But it seems like Geralt as a person is fundamentally the same person. Um, and I think because of that, the stories both of Hellboy and Geralt are not so much about the character development. Like, that's not going to be a a main... Thrust or or focus of the series, but more so like using the sort of the the consistency of this character as the fulcrum to allow all of this other all these other story elements to revolve around or orbit around. And I think because of that, especially with Hellboy, um, and because of um, Mike Mignola's. Artwork, at least throughout the the main Hellboy series, it it allows the story to f- like elevate it up into the the position of like a fairy tale or a fable or like an allegory um, that you have these these personal battles that Hellboy is fighting that transcend up to this. Sort of these universal stories would feel that feel like, and I, I was also thinking when I did the the first version of this episode, um, about just sort of the like fairy tales that you know a lot of fairy tales the main characters don't, um, unless there is some unless the point of the story is them changing in some way, but like you know like heroes they're just heroes they are who they are, um, and whatever good traits and bad traits that they have, you know, the stories about sort of how those things interact with the world and the situations that they find themselves in. And it's not going to be, you know, like the green Knight or not green, Knight, but you know, Gawain's not, or yeah, Gawain's not going to change a whole lot throughout the story. It's just, it's about like, he is who he is. He's put in a situation and how does this situation resolve? Um, And I think that that is an aspect of you know like how you how you wind up with tragic heroes, Um, the the the, I guess the the literary definition of of a tragic hero that like the hero or the person is who they they are who they are, and because they are who they are, things either happen or don't happen in their stories, and that results in um, consequences and ripple effects and and. You know, effects or causes that that you won't see the result of until way, way, way later, and it feels like Hellboy has a lot of a lot of those elements that, like, he is who he is, and he is put in situations in which he, like, every situation sort of affirms who he is, um. And be, because of that, there is a consistency and a sort of like solidness to Hellboy and his story. That allow the the stories themselves to take on sort of like mood or tone pieces um, that are more so about like kind of especially the one-off ones. It's like the vignettes of like you know this is this is how like how do you feel about this? Because you also get a lot of interesting nuance when Hellboy interacts with. Um, you know some entity or whatever and tries to you know so a lot of times he'll he'll go in like fists a and but there are times where he tries to understand and resolve things without you know fighting and it usually devolves into that this other thing attacks him and he's like all right well, what the fuck i'm it's gonna happen um and it's, it's interesting to get his sort of insights or his sort of um, little quips about things um, as these stories go on. And you get, I guess because it feels like he is a, like a, a, like a, a rock, um, that there are a lot of things that are revealed about other characters and re- that relate to him, um, that project a lot of things onto him. Um, and, you know, Hellboy is this thing and there are these projections that happen onto him that aren't going to affect him at all so it really just feels like they're a reflection of whatever other character is, is doing stuff and you can, you know, in the the sort of dramatic irony way the reader is able to to see... Or like these characters reveal things about themselves that they're you know not cognizant of the fact that they're revealing about themselves in a you know weird sort of meta sense, um, which is something that I really really appreciate. I think that Magnolia does a really good job at, um, at, at coming up with really interesting stories and and contexts, contexts for Hellboy to exist in, because you have this this long sort of running story of the overall overall arc is like there is this destiny or this this potential or this possibility that hellboy could be and it keeps bumping up against his life that there are these these people that want to put him onto that path and at every single turn hellboy's like well no i don't want to do that um and there are a lot of characters that um maybe not a lot but there are at least a couple of, of characters like the the Bog Rush is specifically one of them that like want to destroy Hellboy for what he could be like she's she's concerned that like he's going to cause the apocalypse and so she wants to kill him and you know consume his power and make sure that it never happens and you know again that's like her projection of her fear of this thing that Hellboy could be when Hellboy, like if you spend any time with him realize it's like he will do everything in his power to make sure that that, that possibility of him doesn't happen um, and yeah, I, I just I, it's something that opposed to um, Sandman it's really interesting that you have a character that honestly doesn't change throughout the series. I mean there there are moments it's like tragic things happen to him um and I think that he he gains insights about things. Um and maybe gains understanding or gains perspective on stuff, but that doesn't necessarily that doesn't change his personality or his character. Whereas Um, the whole story of Sandman is about like how much can you change and still be the person that you believe that you are Um, because like especially in um, I think it's the Kindly Ones which is volume I think 8 I think it's volume 8 there's this whole the the sort of culmination of, of the story of what Morpheus has been going through um, throughout the entire series culminates in him being hounded by the Furies um, who are out for revenge um, because Morpheus killed his son um, Orpheus which is a whole you know if, you, if you're if you into if you know about Greek history or Greek mythology um, Orpheus is the son of Morpheus and one of the muses I don't know which muse um, and um, gains immortality so that he can go to the underworld, underworld, and save his wife uh, Eurydice, who was killed on their wedding night. Um, and the whole like, you know, he he sings a song and makes Hades cry, and Hades allows him to take Eurydice back to the the human or back to the the mortal world. But he tells him that you know, you have to walk in front of her, and you can't look back until both of you are out on Earth. Otherwise, she will be like kept in hell forever. Um, or kept in the underworld forever. And Orpheus almost makes it to the end and then he looks back and then Eurydice is, is kept in, in the underworld and uh, Orpheus goes, you know, gets mad with depression and gets ripped apart by the Bacchani? They're a bunch of women that that worship uh, Bacchus. And they rip him apart and all that's left is a head. Um, but because he is immortal, like the head just exists um, so it, 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 in one of the earlier volumes uh, Morpheus goes on a, a quest to find his brother Destruction who has like, left his realm and no, none of the family knows where he is and Orpheus is like well I know where he is or he's an oracle and he's like I can find him for you but when you find him like, you have to grant me a, a boon you have to do something for me and ultimately it's that Orpheus wants to die and so Morpheus kills him and that through some other machinations releases the furies on him and you know they they separate him from the dreaming and it looks like they're you know like they're gonna hound him until he is he is destroyed somehow um and there's a really moving scene that he has with his uh, sister death in which you know death is really is kind of questioning him about if if this is if Morpheus is a tragic hero and all this stuff is happening beyond his control, or if Morpheus orchestrated all of this in um, Morpheus, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to get the quote exactly right, but Morpheus has a moment where he's, he tells her that, you know, like, like he, he's one that he's tired um, and two like how, how much can one allow themselves to change and, you know, like you ultimately reach a point that you either change or you die, um, and like Morpheus has kind of made his decision. And at the at the very end of the the series, um, there's a story in which um, Morpheus is hanging out with Shakespeare um, because Shakespeare has, has made a deal with Morpheus that you know Morpheus will give him all these stories and all these plays as long as Shakespeare writes two. Um, for morpheus the first one of the first one of them is midsummer's night's dream which is a gift to the fairy as they leave earth and the second one is the tempest which is for morpheus so shakespeare is i think he finishes the play and he falls asleep or he's in the, in the, in the process of finishing the play and he falls asleep and he winds up in, in morpheus's dream castle and they're just kind of hanging out and talking and shakespeare asks him like you know why this play why like why the Tempest*? And Morpheus tells him, you know, it's like he's the prince of stories. He he is the keeper of all these things, but he doesn't have he himself doesn't have a story. Um, and that at the end of the tempest, Prospero like breaks his staff, throws all his magic books into the oceans, and like renounces magic. So he's, you know, he he is stepping into a renewed or, like, a very different aspect of his life. He's 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 fundamentally changing. um, And ultimately leaves the island that he's been exiled on. And Morpheus tells Shakespeare that, like, at the end of the play, Morpheus gets... I mean, uh, Prospero gets to leave his island. And Morpheus is like, you know, I don't. I don't get to leave my island. So it's interesting to see that, like, there's a... I've not I've not read a whole lot of it. If this is an actual debate about whether or not, like, if Morpheus leads himself unknowingly to his own destruction, or if he orchestrates everything, and you know it's he does it knowingly and intentionally, um, but I think that it's interesting that you get a little a little bit of a glimpse that even back in the whenever the hell Shakespeare was writing, which was 1500s, I don't know, I think 1500s, whatever, 1600s, whatever um that Morpheus was, was thinking about the fact that he's trapped where he is. He's bound by his responsibilities. Um and like Sandman to me is is ultimately about a story about change and about like what what obligations do you have to things, what responsibilities are you locked into um and how much are you willing to allow yourself to change and hellboy to me feels like it is the sort of like opposite of that or maybe the the inverse of that in which like hellboy knows who he is he has he's fundamentally found himself he understands himself he has a he has a very good and defined sense of self and there are all these Offers for him to be this other thing, and Hellboy's like, "No, I don't. I don't want that. I know who I am." Um, which is uh, just an interesting contrast, um, and just like the the storytelling, I think rein, reinforces in in both respects or in both respective comics uh, and series. I think reinforce that main idea of like. In hell it's like you can be who you want to be it doesn't matter the circumstances of your birth it doesn't matter what other people want you to be it doesn't matter what their expectations are of you it doesn't matter what their perceptions are of you like you can be who you are and you can make those decisions for yourself and you are not like obligated or beholden to anything anybody else puts on your plate or puts into your life or tries to affect on you like you were you were the arbiter of those decisions for yourself, um, and in Sandman, and it's it's like things change, like change is inevitable. Change will happen, and like what are how are you how will you deal with that? Um, but it's it's interesting to me that. So the the main Hellboy storyline runs for a while, and then at some point, um, I think it's in the Conqueror Worm, uh, Hellboy decides to leave, which I guess could be a sense of like, you know, he he changes his, his he changes his circumstances and comes to like a, a decision that he's probably it would seem like he's probably been mulling over for a while, um, but again, doesn't necessarily. It's like it doesn't. It's it's a manifestation of like his, his still a manifestation of his personality and his, his character, but you know, he, he's changing the circumstances. Um, because he, at one of his earlier exploits, um, he finds a homunculus that sucks a fair amount of power out of Liz and then is willing to give up that power to give, you know, Liz back her life. And then the, the boys in the lab at the BPRD hook up, um, the homunculus, which, uh, Hellboy dubs Roger. Um, to a battery and you know like he lives again and whatever but in the on this particular mission the higher-ups have implanted a bomb into roger because they're like you know well he he hurt liz and we want to have contingencies for that and Palboy's like he's a good person he's fucking proved himself that he's a he's you know he that was you know it was unintentional it was a reflex he's proved himself to you and you still are, are doing this um and after the mission concludes, uh, Hellboy's like, you know what? Fuck this! Like, how long is it going to be before you put a, a figure out a way to strap a bomb to me as a contingency plan? So he decides to leave and just kind of like figure things out about himself and and um, you know just kind of go on a sojourn and. and at that point, the series splits. It follows Hellboy and his exploits on his like solo adventures. He winds up in the bottom of the ocean. Uh, he goes to Britain and almost becomes the heir of Arthur um, and the weirder wielder of Excalibur. Uh, he goes to Hell, which I'll get to in a little bit. Um, and then the BPRD kind of continues without him. Um and there's a whole long line of BPRD comics that split off into like Abe Sapiens like solo comic. Um and ultimately the two converge way, way, way down the line, which I have some thoughts on, but um I think so the Earlier in quarantine, it was the first time that I read through, like, all of the sort of peripheral Hellboy stuff. The first time that I read through Hellboy, it was just, um, like, the main Hellboy series and then his, like, his solo excursions. Um, and I, I wanted to, to just get the totality of the Um So I spent, like I said, I spent like a week and a half reading every single comic that I could find. Uh, more or less in order, um, and I came to the conclusion that I I don't think that I'm a big fan of the BPRD comics. Um, one, the the artwork is much more realistic, and I think that it shifts. It 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 takes away the sort of mythic quality that Hellboy stories have, because in Hell, in a lot of the Hellboy mainline stories. You know, Hellboy is being taken into these other realms. Sometimes there's like weird dream things that happen that might not really happen, but doesn't matter because they happen in the dream and it affects something on Earth. You know, in like the the wake or the the quote-unquote physical plane, prime material plane, whatever you want to call it. And Magnola's artwork allows those moments and those shifts to happen seamlessly. Um, it it allows those 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 worlds to exist really really close together and feel very permeable and very um, very capable of, of being able to shift from from one to the other at the drop of a hat and in the BPRD series and uh, Abe's solo series things are drawn much much more realistically and I, I feel like that removes a lot of the the impressionism and the the emotion and the tonality that Mignolo's comics, the ones that he draws, have, um, and by situating things in, in more of like a realistic world, it feels like the drama becomes more localized and smaller, and I think in a lot of ways like pettier, um, because a lot of the so uh, the main the main arc of The BPRD comics is that you have these like amphibian people that are multiplying, and as a result of of stuff of incursions from the um, Uggdru Jihad and their offspring, and you know just like you're sort of continually to barrel towards an apocalypse, Um, and you have these other you know villains that pop up like there's the Black Flame, um, there's this like dragon city thing that happens that liz is kind of connected to in a weird way um but it feels like a lot of the like those are things that are sort of happening in the background that are the i guess the main arcs of the story but a lot of the the main i guess like day-to-day drama is just sort of weird interpersonal stuff that i feel like you could find in any other procedural drama that's out on tv right now um, like the things that, that keep people hooked in watching like week after week because you want to know like oh well these two people have a conflict Oh, actually you know it feels almost like not to the the emotional hype that soap operas sort of engineer this stuff but that, that level of like oh well this person has a problem and just when this thing is about to get solved like oh well there's this other problem that sort of comes into play um, because there's you know, like Liz fucks off, Abe fucks off for a while, Um, Johan, who is this like disembodied ectoplasm thing, gets a body, that body gets destroyed, he's upset that the body gets destroyed, you know, he's doing things behind people's back, there's this, like, reanimated mummy that is kind of psychic that is doing things and you're not really sure what her game is or if she's playing a game and... It, it just, it feels really contrived, and it feels, um, I don't know, I, I, th- I feel like it, it falls into the trap where you have, when you have big, cosmic, global, world-ending shit that's happening, it feels really, really unrelatable, or yeah, at least for me, it's like, it's really difficult to relate to that when it's being depicted in a more or less realistic way, because I have no Touchstone for that I have I have no um there's nothing that I have gone through that that feels like a comparable experience to those things whereas if it's a mythic story I have a lot of touchstones for that you know like I if it's an allegory you know I'm a poet I, I exist in a world of metaphor and in a world of like emotional storytelling um so I have sort of direct correlations that I can pull from to say like, oh, okay, well this makes sense because it's not trying to depict a real world and a real circumstance. It's like it's deeper than that um, or bigger than that somehow. But when it's when it's reduced to like, oh no, this is this is a real world in which these things are happening. It's like I I can't I can't relate, and I imagine that a, probably a lot of people can't relate, and which is why um it shifts to the sort of humdrum mundane day-to-day like if these people would actually just fucking talk to each other none of this stuff would happen sort of drama um i mean i think about the walking dead you know it's like it's it's not a story about the zombie apocalypse i mean it is but it's more so like oh it's like how what are people going to how are people going to react to this like what are people doing like I don't know if I really fucking care about that. It's like, I get enough. And maybe that's another thing that like, I, there's so much, I mean, thankfully I've, I've been able to sort of design my life, um, around not dealing with a, with a ton of drama. Um, my friends are, are all really wonderful and very honest and open communicators. Um, but you know, it's like when I'm when I'm reaching out to media, I'm not reaching out to media for things that I that I deal with in my day to day life. It's like I, I deal with enough of that shit. Um, you know, like um, so in a weird in a weird way, I feel like Animal Crossing kind of aligns with that a little bit, although it's it's more I don't know like a more idealized, more gamified version. But you know, like. Um, any survival game in which you have to worry about finding food and water or, you know, like Stardew Valley where you have to, like, you have to take care of all these crops, you have all these, like, these weapons and shit that break, all this stuff. Like, if I'm gonna play a game, I'm gonna play a game about being a, like, disembodied, hollow, uh, bug knight that's going on this quest uh, to kill all these other bug knights. I mean, that's a... Gross oversimplification, and probably not a actual the story of, of Hollow Knight. But I mean, I I've done some reading on it, but it feels super convoluted. Um, or you know, like Bloodborne, or you know, whatever. In which there's you know, like, it's I'm it's a di- not a distraction, but it's like I'm seeking out something that I I'm not gonna find in my own life, some sort of elevated adventure, um, or you know, just other experience that I can't get, like. Um, like pokemon it's a very it's a very good example for me it's like i don't i can't raise i can't go find and capture and raise and battle with these really interesting creatures and you know like as a as a team just go wandering off on this grand adventure i i would love to do that i would love to put myself into that story, but i you know it doesn't happen so with the b p r d and with i guess to an extent, Abe Sapien's solo adventure. Although I, the issue that I have with that series is, is something else. That I, with BPRD, it's like I don't want to put myself into that story. I don't want to imagine myself in the place of any of these people because it feels just really fucking tedious. Um, with Abe's story, like I don't. I'm not even going to begin to to, to to like try to parse out what the hell Abe goes through. But it. His story is more so it feels like I guess this is intentional. I would I would like I would like to think that it's intentional that like Abe's solo story feels like it is the contrast of Hellboy's in which like if Hellboy knows who he is and has a very solid sense of self and that sense of self does not change. Um Abe Sapien has a very mercurial sense of self. Um because there are tons of real revelations of like oh he was this guy named Everett call who found this ancient egg thing that could have actually been him like he possessed himself from the future you know just weird shit and like he abe doesn't know who he is so he goes on a, a quest to find out who he is but at every time that he tries to find out some other aspect of himself, there is another aspect there, and like it's like a matryoshka doll. It feels like there's always like another smaller self inside of a self that he already found, um, and it, f- for me, ultimately feels not super compelling because again, it doesn't feel like the story is is elevated. Like in, in Hellboy, it feels like the, his personal stories feel like they, they transcend into these sort of more universal experiences or these more universal stories. They're analogs for more universal things um, or metonyms or you know, microcosms, or whatever it is, however it is you want to describe them. And when, with Abe's story, it feels more like a personal dis- journey of discovery but the goalpost for that discovery like keeps moving um and i like at the very end i don't even know if abe has like maybe has a sense of himself but there's also at i think this is maybe before he he's solo series or maybe i i don't i don't remember if if when in time this takes place but I mean, he he sort of like there are moments where he dips out, and then he comes back to the BPRD, and he dips out again, and he comes back. Um, and one of the times that he's back, they have an interaction. Uh, he's on this mission with some other people from the BPRD, and they they encounter a, a dude named the Black Flame. Who there's a lot of shit that happens with him. Um, but he tells Abe that Abe is the essentially the Antichrist. That he's like the the Maybe I don't even know if the Antichrist, but like the 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 beginning of the next stage of human evolution, and that freaks out a lot of the, the BPRD people that have been with Abe for a while, and become super paranoid of him, and that beca- that adds to this other tedious drama shit that that happens, and. As opposed to Hellboy, when you know when Hellboy is presented with these op- with these options or these possibilities of himself, there's a very clear sense of rejection and a very clear sense that the reader has of like, oh no, this is that you know that's not Hellboy. There's no way that that's Hellboy. We know who Hellboy is. This is exactly who he is. There's no way that this is this possibly is going to happen. But with Abe, because his sense of self is so mercurial and there's it's not solid and it's not there, when those types of possibilities are brought up there's not that sense of like oh no that's not gonna be the way that it is it's like well that could be a possibility but I I feel like there might they maybe the intention behind that was to to add some some tension or some sort of suspense of like oh is Abe gonna turn into this and I, I don't know because there's like, like plot armor and you know he he feels like one of the main characters you, I don't get the sense of you know it's like there's nothing else in really hellboy that would Set up for that type of that type of twist or that type of surprise, um, so I get the sense it's like, well, no, that's not the case. But then, you know, why is it brought up in the first place? If this isn't actually going to pay off at some point in the future, um, so speaking of paying off in the future, um, I think the ending of Hellboy's solo run is one of the best. Endings that I've like in all media that I've encountered, um, because at the end of his second-to-last, the second-to-last arc, um, he's in Britain. There is this um, witch that is trying to become the, like the ultimate witch, and she also is a some becomes a conduit for like the dragons, and she's turning into a dragon and. Hellboy just it's like ultimately decides to kill her without the the help of Excalibur, without the help of these other things. He does it himself, but he is killed in the process and he goes to hell. And while he is in hell, you know, he has these different um these different encounters. He's hounded by the he is also hounded by the furies at some point. Um but that's sort of alleviated. Um but it ends with him destroying hell. Um he, um, I think he kills Satan, and he might kill another handful of demons himself. Um, and then all of the like servant class, or I guess the proletariat demons, decide to rise up against their bourgeois overlords. Um, and it ends with this really, really beautiful sequence of Hellboy, who is giant, and is missing an eye because he gave one to the Baba Yaga. Um, like walking um, across these mountains and this hill and the sea to like the last stronghold of the the bourgeois demons and he fights the leviathan he fights the behemoth he beats both of them and then he calls down like lightning and destroys the demons and empties hell. Interestingly, like in uh, Sandman, there is also a, a sequence or like a story that revolves around, I mean, it's Lucifer that decides to empty hell, but it's the same sort of like, hell's sort of not in the picture anymore. Um, and that's how Hellboy's main series ends, That which feels like it's a really wonderful subversion of the... The path and the potential that all these other characters have wanted for Hellboy, and that have claimed that this is his purpose, and that this is what he was made for, that he was born for, he was summoned for, that this is who he is, this is who he's always going to be, this is destiny, this isn't escapable. Blah 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 blah. And like, instead of being the destroyer on Earth and ushering in the apocalypse on Earth, he does that for Hell. You know, like the seat of all of these things that are trying to get him to to. To destroy Earth, Um, and it's like it's just it's it's like the if if you could if there's a sequence in comics that is the embodiment of the chef's kiss, I feel like it is this in Hellboy, Um, and it feels like it's such a it's a beautiful ending because it it like it subverts the the character of a ton of characters expectations of hellboy but it doesn't subvert hellboy's personality and character like it feels like this is the ultimate culmination and conclusion like it, the road that hellboy decided to walk this feels like it is the ultimate conclusion of that road and it feels consistent with his character and his actions and his personality and it it's the fact that it is consistent with him but a subversion of these sort of bigger Themes, uh, or maybe not the subversion of themes, but the subversions of like bigger plans that characters or perceptions that other characters have of him, you know, which he's been doing his entire life. He's he's constantly subverted other characters. It's just it's moving and wonderful, and I I love it. I I honestly wish that that's where Hellboy's story ended, um, because at the end of the BPRD saga that deals with apocalypse and, you know, like the, these like Eldritch horrors being brought to earth and them trying to stop it and all this stuff. Uh, Hellboy comes back for like five issues and for the majority of it, he's just kind of hanging around. Uh, And then Rasputin is resurrected, which I don't understand how, um, i mean i understand how it happens in the series but i don't i don't really understand like how there's enough of his soul for him to come back that that's a whole that's a whole thing i don't i'm not going to get into it because it's it's really convoluted and and like kind of complicated to try to describe at almost two o'clock in the morning um but needless to say, Rasputin comes back, he becomes the embodiment of the dragon somehow, which I don't understand, which I might get into, but whatever. Um, Hellboy defeats him one more time, and then everything that Hellboy is, is rejected and everything that, um, that he has not been tempted into, that he has walked away from, uh, effectively comes to pass anyway, which... I like I don't know how I feel about um because like I said, it there are the series itself doesn't feel like it's it's about in in the meta sense, like a subversion of of ideas and that it, it has pretty much established that that Like you are not beholden to a destiny that people claim that you have, or that you know. Destiny is not a thing that is that is decided and is a foregone conclusion. Is a thing that you can, it's malleable. You can change it. You can like if you, you can walk your own path. Essentially, like there's there's two characters at some point in the series that that say that like. Hellboy effectively is not the, he's not the destroyer, anymore. That he has he's become his his own person. He's become a new thing, and he's he's forging a new path. And whatever it is, is his own. And then the end of the series feels like it rejects that idea, and it it shows that like this thing these this thing was going is a foregone conclusion and it was gonna happen anyway. And you know that's just the way that it is. You know, these, these prophecies, these, you know, whatever this, the fact that it's like time for the earth to end is just going to happen. And there's nothing that you could have done to avoid it, which feels, it feels like everything that has gone before that, all of these, all of this fighting that people have done to try to prevent it, to prevent this outcome is like meaningless, And it really, like, it it throws, like, everything that the BPRD has done and it it throws everything that, like, Hellboy has done into question of, like, well, if this is a foregone conclusion, then why did they fight anyway? Or, you know, what was the point? If this was was how the story was going to end, then what the hell is the point to everything leading up to the end of this? Um, And, like, I... It does the the end of the comic does end in a in a where the series itself ends in another like really moving um, Mike McNola uh, penned and drawn um, scene uh, in which like Liz blasts the Earth um, Hellboy walks into an Iron Maiden long story and is killed and his blood is. Like the effectively the river of life, it it's the thing that brings new life on Earth because it's not just the apocalypse is not just destruction, it's the renewal or it's the you know like the cleansing fire almost. Um, and Abe at, at earlier in this comic is killed and he, he is somehow is pregnant with a bunch of eggs and those eggs turn into the new race of like amphibian humans, so the dragon is dead which was not i guess how that was supposed to to pan out for them um but effectively every other aspect of this prophecy or every other aspect of you know like the the world's going to burn humanity's going to die for the most part and their new race of man like the next race of man is going to rise up um happens and I don't know. I just I can't I can't get over the fact that it feels like it subverts like the especially with Hellboy like the main theme of the comic or the the main focus of like you can forge your own path. Um and yeah, I don't it just it doesn't the when So I want to say that the comic, the BPRD comic ended in, I think it was 2018. Um, And like I read the comic, like the the last five issues of the BPRD that deal with Hellboy's return and a little bit before that to just kind of get a sense of what was happening. And it didn't, you know, like it ended and I was like, okay, you know, whatever. But going back and re- Rereading all of it, we're well, rereading Hellboy and then reading all of the the peripheral comics in their entirety. Entirety really gave me a sense of because I was able to I had all of it within like a week and a half and I, it was still very much kicking around in my in my head. And when I got to the the ultimate ending, um, I've, I really don't know if if it does the overall story justice. And I know that it's it's so it's really difficult to end like when you have things that feel like they keep ramping up and they keep ramping up and they keep getting bigger and they, there's just more and more happening to it. It's it's really difficult to pull off a killer ending. And like Mike nailed it in the Hellboy series. He he fucking knocked it out of the park. And I it i don't know i think that the ending of the bprd is a good ending but i don't know if it's the right ending for the story um i don't know i mean i'm this is from a a casual reader and not the creator of it um so i you know for what it's worth that's kind of it's kind of my two cents um you know, but I don't know. It it feels in a similar way. I mean, it's not exact, but I'm, for those of you who've been hanging around the podcast for a while, have probably heard me uh, harp on uh, the J, the Love Song of J Proof Rock by T. S. Eliot, um, and how I feel like the last like stanza and a half or superfluous that it should have ended with. Um, I grow old. I grow old. I shall wear the bottoms of my trousers rolled. Do I part my hair behind? Do I dare to eat a peach? I have heard the mermaids singing, each to each. No, no. I, I do I should I part my hair behind? Do I dare to eat a peach? I will wear white flannel trousers and walk upon the beach. I have heard the mermaids singing, each to each. I do not think they will sing for me. I think they should have capped it. I think that that should have been it. You just you. You hit it. You hit. Leave on a high note, and then there's you know a couple of more lines, and I think an extra three line stanza. that is just. I feel like it tips its hand too much, and not not for the same reasons, but I feel similarly about uh, the end of the BPRD. That it's like it it doesn't it feels like it was ramping up to the story and to not have these characters come back for the end and to to be there and to do this thing would feel maybe cheating the audience or the fans in some way but it i, I don't know it just it doesn't it doesn't feel like it it lines up tonally with like the rest of at least for hellboy it doesn't feel like it's the right ending for hellboy maybe that's ultimately what it is that like I don't really know what the themes of the BPRD series are. It doesn't, at least for me, it doesn't feel like it has like these really clearly defined thematic moments and arcs. Um, so the ending of the BPRD could be kind of whatever in my opinion, you know, because there was no, there are no, at least for me, or I didn't see a whole lot of like main tent posts to, to wrap the story around. It could kind of go wherever, but the fact that it it dealt with Hellboy, that like, I don't know, it's like Hellboy's story ended in I think the best possible way, and then he was brought back for an ending that feels like it's like, I don't know, it feels like almost that like you're you're that the the comics are trying or the series is trying to have it both ways that you get Hellboy to have his ending and he subverts his role in the apocalypse. But then he's still there and he still plays his role for the apocalypse because there's this, for all this, this prophecy and stuff that supposedly Hellboy's right hand is the only thing that will allow the dragons to be released from their prison. And yet at some point in the comic, uh, the Black Flame has taken so much of their energy inside of them or whatever, he's able to actually manifest one of the dragons on Earth. Um, and then there's this like old uh, white English dude club called the Osiris Club that is also able to like call down a dragon as well, and it falls to earth and dies, and that causes the rest of them to die or something. I think I don't know. I it's really really convoluted to follow. Um, and they somehow like Hellboy's hand gets chopped off, and then they somehow wind up with it, and then he takes it back. Um, but it's unclear like how they went, how they got it. I I don't know. It's like, there's a lot of, there are a lot of questions that come up in the final five issues that don't have satisfactory answers to me, but feel like they need to have satisfactory answers for the, the series to end in a satisfactory way. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, if you I think that it is probably worth a complete read through at least once just because it's the the universe is so vast and there's so much backstory and so much really interesting history of the world and just like interesting characters that that pop up and you know like the I think that I think that at least one time through the extended verse is is worth it um, just to, just to have that experience. But like, if I go back and reread a series, it's going to be the Hellboy series. It's going to be the mainline series. Cause this is, I think quarantine earlier in quarantine was maybe the like third or fourth time that I've read through it. Um, and it, it is something that I know that I'm, I'm going to go back and reread numerous, numerous times. Same thing with Sandman. It's like, it's just, it's one of those things that I feel like every year there's a there's a point that it's just like, all right, it's ready for, an, I'm ready for another re-through of it. Um, that there's something about it, both of them, that make me want to just return to them and, and spend time um, in those worlds and with those stories and with those characters. Um, I will say, similar to Sandman, like the first... I guess the first main story arc of Hellboy like takes a little bit getting it to get into, uh, cause Hellboy is like way, way more verbose in the early, uh, in the early story arc than he is or the first story arc than he is throughout like the rest of the series. Um, but I think that it's just, you know, like figuring out, uh, you know just taking a little bit to figure out the tone and the story and the pacing and the characters and how they interact with each other um but i mean it's not same, same thing with sandman it's not a bad first arc it's just it you can tell that it's kind of like not exact not quite there yet but it gets there um and it also sets up this sort of like main um uh, the main conflict, the a lot of returning like Rasputin keeps popping up all over the fucking place throughout the, the series, um, and it kind of lays the groundwork for the the larger story and the larger antagonists, and the like their uh, the setting up for a lot of different things. Um, but yeah, I I would give Hellboy's main series like as many a with an infinite number of pluses. And the peripheral series are, I don't know, there are moments that are cool, but I feel ultimately like it just it gets, they get way too bogged down with the sort of interpersonal, day-to-day, mundane drama that, I guess, feels heightened because it's, it's in the backdrop, or it's happening amongst the backdrop of the end of the world, and it is happening amongst people that have supernatural powers or look like a an amphibian or like a, a frog man um or a were jaguar which is a whole other thing or a fucking windigo, um but yeah i there are there are some neat moments and some neat things that happen but i, I don't know ultimately it just it feels it feels like a slog and it it, it i think runs into the problem that I have with a lot of mainstream comic crossover events like War of the Realms or um, I think the new one right now is the King in Black. I know the X-Men one just had the the Ten of Swords saga. Um, I mean DC has had innumerable ones that take place across, you know, comics. But my, my big gripe with those is that you don't... Like, you have the mainline story version of it, but you have all these things that happen in these peripheral comics, and you won't... You can't get the full story unless you get every single one of those other comics. Um, I mean, there are... If you read the main story like the main war of the Realms Thor storyline, you you can kind of piece things together, but there are some pretty like momentous things that happen in these other comics and especially in setting up like oh this is the new status quo or like oh this is the new arc of this this character that's going to continue in their own solo line or whatever. Um but it, it feels... And I know that eventually they'll probably all be collected in, the, in an omnibus or whatever. But it, it takes a long time for those things to manifest. And it just... It feels... As, as someone who likes knowing stuff and who wants to know and have the complete story for things so that I can understand it and I can, I can get just the synthesis of the information. It is really, really frustrating when I have to track down like. 15 or 20 comics to tell the story of a thing that like ultimately there are parts of that I probably don't need but I don't know if I need them or not until I read them and I feel like that with like the BPRD despite the fact that the BPRD series is its own thing um, it feels like it falls into that that category that's like there's so much that you have to so many v- comics that you have to take that you have to get and then like there's stuff that happens in abe's solo thing that you're not really going to understand how it ties in or how things work out in the, in the main bprd B, bprd series unless you read that and there's these other you know little pockets of comics that that sort of are there and gone and which is what i appreciate about sandman and like the main hellboy series it's like it's one story it's a unified story of, that is um that centers around a main character and it's their story and that's it that's all you need um, like because you don't need to read the the BPRD comics to get to know what's happening with Hellboy I mean it's it's happening sort of in the background and they're it's like you know occasionally he's watching the news and they they mention things that happened in, in the BPRD comics, but it doesn't have any bearing on Hellboy's story because it's Hellboy's story. And, you know, if if his story, if there were things in the BPRD comics that needed to be known that to understand Hellboy's story, then he would have been interwoven in them and he would have get, gotten them, it feels like, in the main story. Um, so I just, I appreciate that. It's like a one-stop shop thing. It's like you don't. There are no other comics that you need to read to to get the sense of what's happening to him and what's happening in a story, other than just the comics in which that story takes place. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my review. I I I really enjoy Hellboy. I think that it's a comic that um, I, I'm going to to reread until you know until the day i die it's going to be just one of the things i I just keep returning to um i also i realized this when i was doing the the first version of this episode that um i i tend to uh have more affinity for a story in which one i can either imagine myself into or I could imagine myself being friends with the main character and not not in the sense of like oh if this was real and this character actually was a real person we would be friends it was it's more so that like if i met someone that was like this character like if i met someone that was like hellboy i think that you know i think that i i could be friends with a person like that um which is something i i I've read a lot of comics over quarantine, um, and I, I read through a bunch of Thor comics, and that was something that really surprised me about my ex- my read through of the, cor- the Thor comics. That I could I think I could be friends with somebody who was like Thor, um, and that made my uh, that heightened for whatever reason that heightened my my enjoyment and my experience with those comics. And uh, for Hellboy, that is 100% the case that like. There is a, a heightened affinity and a heightened affection that I have for him and his comics uh, that, like, I don't really have for any of the other ones, with the exception of Koschei the Deathless, who is a character that shows up uh, later in Hellboy's story. Um, he's summoned by the, the Baba Yaga to, like, I don't know if she wants to kill Hellboy or just like prevent him from doing something, um, but. At one point, he winds up in hell when Hellboy is in hell and tells Hellboy like his whole entire story. And it's a really cool comic. Um, that's a really, really neat series. And it's, it feels like it operates similar to Hellboy in that it is a, it feels like a fairy tale or like a a story that is an, an analog for something else or something bigger. Um, so, despite the fact that it's it's drawn in a more, in a I guess a less stylistic uh, way than Mignola does his his drawings, um, it still it still feels like it it elevates it is elevated into the 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 space of like metaphor or analog or myth or whatever. Um, so I would I would totally check out uh, of the Deathless as well. I think that that's a that's a really really neat like mini-series. Um But yeah, I don't I don't have a whole lot of affinity or uh, for people in the BPRD mainline story. Um, I don't I feel like there is probably a very very small number of them that I I could be friends with, or would want to be friends with. Um, uh, but yeah, I think I think that's it. I think that that's my that's my review. Um, I would like to say, in the sort of ending this episode, uh, thank you so much, as always, for for uh, listeners and followers of the podcast. Uh, I've been keeping up with some of the the listens on um, on SoundCloud. Um, so for the the UK and the Malaysian listeners thank you so much I'm I'm super appreciative Um, and it's still mind boggling to me that there are people all over the world that listen to this this podcast Um, it is not a thing that I could have ever imagined it's not something that I ever imagined would happen when I first started this podcast Um, I didn't really imagine much when i started this podcast and and the fact that it has wildly exceeded any expectation i could have conceivably had is just it's wonderful and humbling and uh just astounding it's something that i you know i just i, I still can't <laughs> i still can't wrap my head around um but i've also been thinking about like uh listener engagement and um like i don't know i i if if y'all want to be engaged with let me know i'm i'm happy to um if y'all just want to to listen and more or less lurk that's cool too i do that (laughs) with the vast majority of my social media engagement um but yeah i mean if, if like comments you reach out to me with email, leave reviews, whatever. Like any anything is appreciated. Um I I wanna keep doing this and I, I wanna you know have make this the best experience for everyone involved as I can. Um so like feedback lay it on me. If you wanna give it to me, I'm open. Um uh, but yeah, um I don't know if I'm going to get another episode up before the end of the year Um, so in the event that I don't um, I hope that everyone has a uh, wonderful as wonderful as as can be attained uh, given that it's 2020 um, like end of the year Um, I I really I hope that it it ends on a high note for people um, and I hope that we can step into 2021 with hope or relief or just like a an exhaling of just you know the shit that we've been dealing with um, like I, I honestly hope that we're on an upswing now because 2020 has been pretty fucking miserable across the board I think for pretty much everyone um, I mean not to discount that th- positive things have happened despite this stuff but you know like it's okay it's okay to acknowledge that you know this year has largely sucked um for a lot of different reasons for i think probably a numerable number of people um but you know i i hope that i hope that the end of the year brings some relief and some release from the stress of just what 2020 has been Um, and, uh, if there is, I guess, like any final thought that I have, um, it's, you know, you have the power and the, the right to make decisions about your life for yourself. Like you have, you, you can choose your own path. Um, and if there are people that are around you that um are telling you to be a thing or to, that they have expectations for you or that perceive you in a particular way and it feels like it doesn't jive with what you feel internally fuck them you know like it's not their life it's your life and like you're the one that has to to, to wake up in your skin every day um and you know like you you have the power um to be the best version of yourself to work towards whatever that that is for you um and i honestly hope that that i mean it it takes a lot of dedication a lot of perseverance and you know it's it's not a thing that happens overnight um it probably takes healing and it takes relearning and it takes um like reassessing and realigning aspects of yourself um, and setting aside and giving up and freeing yourself from things that you like behaviors or thoughts or actions of things that you don't want to do anymore. Um, Cause I'm like, I know for sure I'm actively going through that myself right now that like I've been trapped in a sort of cycle of habit that really at the Ultimately makes me feel bad about myself, and I don't want to keep doing it because I don't want to make myself feel bad about myself Um, And I really honestly have to believe that Like we can change for the better that we can if we if we set ourselves down a path of of trying to be the the most complete and the most realized and the most like best version of who we are um, We can get close or we can get there ultimately i don't know um but i I have to believe that if you're at least walking down that path like you're you're doing you're doing good you're doing something right and it you know it's like it's not it's not perfection it's it's progress and if you if you stumble or fall it doesn't erase the progress that you made it just means that you know it's like you try to pick yourself back up and just gonna keep walking again um because if like if we if we can't do that for ourselves like if that's not a thing that's attainable it's like i don't know what the fuck we're working towards um and you know like i ultimately have to believe that that we can work to to not add shit to the system or not add to the shit that's already there because i kind of want to make shit or things more difficult for me or any of the people that i care about or any people that i just i don't like i don't know I don't want to make things needlessly more difficult for someone just because I can't. So that feels like a really shitty thing to do. But yeah, I. It's it's comforting for me to think that we that we can work towards that, even if we don't ultimately ever attain it. It's just it's like if we're moving towards that, it's like we're adding goodness, we're adding light, we're adding healing, we're adding space, we're adding relief, we're adding things that I think will ultimately make our experience of living and the experiences of living of, of those that are around us and are connected to our lives better and I don't know I would like to think that that's a goal that pretty much everyone can rally around um but um I'm tired I will hopefully be able to go to get to sleep now that I've gotten this out of my head and out of myself um but um yeah talk to y'all next time